Welcome to the Home Inspired Podcast, where we discover the power and potential of home. Journey with a community of kingdom-minded moms as we look at the micro-nation of home and the world-changing possibilities within our own four walls. Okay, so on the show today, we have my good friend Sherry Daly, and I've known Sherry for the last five years since we moved to Wichita, and she's really an amazing person, an amazing friend, and um, kind of this amazing combination of like Holy Spirit sensitivity and intimacy and going to the high places with God and also really just meeting people where they are. Like I've kind of met some people that are one or the other, but like to have that combination is just so rich and I feel like it's just so dynamic. And you're such a pillar of strength to the people around you, just wherever you are. And um, so I'm just really honored to have you here and hear your story and, you know, just have you here. Thank you so much. It's it's truly a privilege. And equally, I think so much of you, Naomi. I wasn't wasn't fishing for compliments. I know, but I love it because I think, um, you know, we're both busy moms and we, we... Somehow, whenever we do connect, there's just some things about each of us that we just click together, and yeah. I love it. And I, I just really appreciate you, and thank you for having me on. Yes, yeah. yes. So you have a really amazing story, and I wanted to kind of let the listeners in on just your background and um, your kind of process with the Lord, and also just kind of how you've just your general the general gist of your story, like your family, your, when you met your husband, those types of things. So would you? Yeah. yeah. Well, so my story, um, begins almost 40 years ago (laughs) and, um, (laughs) um, I'm learning to embrace that number. That's good. Um, but, uh, uh, was raised in a multicultural family. My mother is Korean. My father was an American um, soldier with the army and, um, really have a high value for for multiculturalism. I feel like if we're going to be kingdom people, we want to reflect heaven. Heaven is so multifaceted and multicultural and I love, it's just core value for me to celebrate culture. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, when I was around three years old is when I met Jesus. Aww. And started a relationship with him, and I remember. <laughs> I mean, I remember it like I know it was Aww. real because I remember it. Aww. You know, like I remember consciously making that decision Aww. to begin a relationship with Jesus. And then a couple of years later, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and wow. um, I guess what some people would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Encountered that yeah. at age five. Wow, which I know sounds young, but. Whatever. You know, like Holy Spirit. No junior Holy no Spirit, No junior right? Holy Spirit and yeah. the same power, you know, that raised right. Christ from the dead lives in each one of us. And age is not a factor. Um, wow. And uh, I, I, I know from that experience, it was definitely a just, I would, you know, I was raised in an environment where that was available. Okay. And, um, and I, I also had a hunger for it. Yeah. And so. Perfect I combo. Took, took the opportunity and just, yeah. it, you know, just experienced, you know, that. I mean, again, so vivid in my mind, just a profound encounter with the Lord and, um, was raised with two younger brothers. So Mm -hmm. a proud big sister, (laughs) um, definitely, you know, a lot of these things that I'm kind of pointing out have become, I mean, they made me who I am. And so, you know, just proud big sister, um, loved having younger brothers specifically. And, um, 
and then uh, was raised in ministry my entire life. My parents were in ministry pretty much right after I was born um, and uh, grew up being a PK of, you know, every form and fashion, youth, <laughs> you know, youth, youth ministry, associate pastorship, and then eventually we had a lot of small church plans. Um, so grew up in ministry and then um, the my younger years were really full of a whole bunch of um, drama and trauma. Mm. And so um, it wasn't until I was um, an adult, actually, I, this is really funny because um, my husband likes to tell people he met me when I was a teenager. We met when I was 19, <laughs> like okay. two, two months before I turned 20. And um he was totally a godsend to me and mm. still is to this day. And, um, yeah. And so we've, we've grown up together. We got married. We had four children. Mm-hmm. So one girl, three boys, lots of adventures with them. And <laughs> here we are today in 2020 and yeah. just, um, continuing to grow in the Lord. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's the gist of kind of the overview of my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a fun Fun adventure with the Lord. Yeah. So um, would you be willing to share a little bit more about some of the trauma that you experienced as a little one and um, how that affected your view of God, relationship with God, you know, through as you grew up? Absolutely. Um, So... I would have to say that our family dynamic was always dysfunctional. And I think sometimes when you think of uh, um, being raised in ministry or being raised in a preacher's home, um, we put a lot of pressure on on that, even the image that we give that. And we think, oh, wow, you must have grown up with the Lord and that must have been a great experience. And for me, it was um, the family dynamic part of it was actually quite the opposite And so, um, even to go back to when I was right before I was born, um, I was kind of born into chaos. My parents were going through a really tough time. This is before they had gotten saved. They were going through a tough time. And, um, my father was actually having an affair on my mother. Mm. And so, um, somehow during that time, um, you know, there was the thought to not even have me be born. Wow. And, um, at the time, uh, I can't imagine the world without it, Sherry Taylor. <laughs> neither can I. You know? <laughs> but, um, it's just, just even knowing that part of my story, it just feels like the, you know, the enemy doesn't like any of us because we're mm-hmm. all made in the image of God. Sure. And it just, he's just always been about getting people at the, at the get go, like mm-hmm. from the get go mm-hmm. at the root. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why we see a lot of the, the kind of cultural things that we see today, but the mm-hmm. enemy just does not like people because we are made in the image of God. The yeah. one thing he wanted to have. Yeah. And so, um, j- just, you know, uh, what saved my life was the fact that my mother was too far along in her pregnancy to do anything about it. And wow. then, um, shortly after that, I think my parents reconciled and they met Jesus and they both got saved. And, um, that started their journey. And my mother has been a very consistent person. She's always just dived headfirst into the Holy spirit, dived headfirst into the Bible. The mm. word just got really, really grounded. She let the Holy spirit raise her and she let the Holy spirit minister to her heart. Mm. And my um, natural father, on the other hand, was very much like, I would call him like a zealot. Like he just got so excited. Sure. And so he wanted to jump right in and like 
preach the gospel and be a minister and everything like that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, Jesus did that to the disciples. I mean, he plucked them off the streets and threw them right into ministry. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the missing um, component there was that there was no mentorship. There was no discipleship and there was nobody to help be kind of a spiritual mother and father to them. And so, um, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm all for deploying people into the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm also equally as passionate about making sure that we have um, mothers and fathers of the faith mm-hmm. to just be there, good. you know, not to, not to micromanage, right. But to be there for you when you have those things come up. Cause in your walk with the Lord, anybody's walk with the Lord, things are going to come up. Junk's going to come up. Sure. And um, it's, it's not, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It means that there's residual things there that yeah. um, need to be, plucked off and cut off and right. it comes pruned through. yeah pruned <laughs> and it just comes from walking with the lord yeah so good. um i said all that to say like i said earlier i was um you know began my relationship with jesus at three and um encountered the holy spirit at five and um kind of you know our family dynamic was still a little rocky i don't think I don't think my parents, my parents were still growing in the Lord. And I know my father specifically still struggled with so many things. And, um, looking back on it, it's just one of my core beliefs is that you've got to know your identity in Christ. And I think Mm -hmm. that's somewhere, someplace where he really struggled. Mm -hmm. And, um, I say that because I'm not going to, um, like where our life went after that, um, I'm not justifying anything that he may have done. But what I am saying is that anybody can make these mistakes because you've got to, you've got to let the Lord heal and prune and develop your heart. And so, um, with all that, and by the time I was 11 years old, we were in full-time ministry and, um, uh, just kind of, it seems like a fluke. I don't really know how, where it came from or how it happened, but, um, my father began to sexually abuse me and Mm. that went on for the next six years of my life. And, um, and a lot of people who know me, um, probably were like, when they heard about the story, they were just like, how did you let that go on for so long? And I think that's a very, you know, um, normal question to have because Mm -hmm. I was a very intelligent person. I was very articulate. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very outgoing. And Mm -hmm. so the question was, how did you not say anything. And anybody who's been through that kind of trauma or who's ever been in that situation, you know how controlling of a situation that is. And mm-hmm. not to mention you're at age 11 or younger, you're in your formative years mm-hmm. and you're not really sure what's going on. And in, in your head, you're thinking this has got to be a mistake. Like this is not really happening. And, um, and there were a lot of a lot of things looking back belief system wise that, um, prevented me from speaking up. Mm. And so, um, for example, like I just, I knew God was real. I'd had encounter after encounter with the Holy spirit since the time I got saved. Yeah. I had encounters with the supernatural to where nobody can convince me the supernatural doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Nobody can convince me that God is not real. Mm -hmm. I've seen it with my own eyes. And so at that point, um, I, I just, I was, I just felt this burden, which I know is not from God, but I felt this burden to preserve the image of God. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, well, if people hear about this and they know we're in ministry, especially after it had gone on for years Mm -hmm. and years, 
they're going to think God is terrible. And as an adult, you go, that wasn't my job. God can totally fend for himself. He can protect his own reputation. I didn't have to protect his reputation. But it was a burden I had put on myself. Yeah. um, Just from believing lies. And, um, you know, that went on for for many years, for six years. And I remember um, the day, the last time it ever happened. And I don't remember exactly what or how but it was like for the first time in my life, a switch flipped and I just recognized that I had a voice and it was way more powerful than I realized it was. Wow. And so, um, my comp, my statement to my father was this will never happen again. Wow. And it just, I can't even tell you where that revelation came from, where that strength came from, where, where it came. There was a lot of times where I literally was keeping my mouth shut because I knew it was going to tear my family apart. And I had this really huge sense of duty to protect my brothers. Yeah. And I thought, well, if this happens, my mother is going to kill my father. He's going to be dead. (laughs) She's going to be in jail. We're going to be orphans. And that's not fair to them. I will suffer longer to make sure that they don't live that kind of horrible life. Wow. And, you know, that's so, as an adult, that's so illogical. It's not, it wasn't my job. But as a kid, with this sense of duty and love for my siblings, I I took it on as my responsibility. And even love for your father, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean. And my mother. I was like, I don't want her in jail, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So just. So, So when that happened, what did he say or how did he respond? I think there was this look on his face where I knew he knew I was serious and it would never happen again. I mean, there were threats throughout the years. There was, there was, you know, physical violence where I tried to fight back and things like that. And eventually Mm. this is something people don't understand when you're in this kind of trapped situation. Um, you don't think you have a voice. You're being fed lies all the time about why this is happening. Um, you're being told, you know, you're being fed one message with their mouths and then another with their actions. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point I remember, um, there was, there was a couple years towards the end where things were happening, like the abuse was happening so often and I was literally blocking them out. Like I, it could happen the night before I'd wake up in the morning, um, forget that it ever happened, you know, kiss my dad to go out the door wow. and just like, Goodbye. Have a great day. Not even remembering that it happened because it was happening so often. Like the only way to cope was to kind of shut all that mm. out. Um, your was, mom did not know. My mother had no clue. Like she, oh would, she bore the burden of supporting our family financially after my, my dad retired from the military. Um, he didn't, didn't really keep a consistent job. And so she just felt she, again, my duty and obligation mm-hmm. to make sure the family was running mm-hmm. to make sure that we were healthy and, and, you know, fed and, um, she, she definitely was the sole breadwinner and she was cleaning the house. I mean, she was cooking the meals. She was doing everything. Wow. And I think when you're in that position, you just, you're in survival mode sure. in a different way and you don't see everything that's going on. And a lot of this was well, kind of well you know, kept, it was a, well, it's this, it was a secret, well concealed, well concealed concealed secret. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to rat anybody out because I really cared about my family, you know, not, not falling apart and not realizing that my actions were not what was making it fall apart. It was somebody else's actions. So, um, but, um, she had, so how did it come out? So eventually, 
um, my, I guess about a year after I put an end to the abuse, mm-hmm. I think the dynamic of our family just went really downhill. I mean, okay. it became very evident that it wasn't a very solid foundation to begin with. Um, my dad was involved in so many different vices behind the scenes that even I didn't know about, like just kind of never really fully got free in the Lord. Um, and I think that, you know, he was, we kept doing these ministry things that would not really succeed financially or, um, he was definitely trying to get his worth from his ministry ministry and it just wasn't happening. And, um, I graduated high school and, um, my last day of school was that Friday. And, um, on Sunday, my mom and my brothers and I, we had started going to a different church and we went to church and he decided, he's like, I'm not going today. I just don't feel like it. And he was in a deep depression and we could tell. So he stayed home. And when we came home, he had packed up all his stuff and he left. And, um, during that time, again, my mom had no clue. She, she was a very faithful wife. And she was faithful in word. She was faithful in deed. Mm-hmm. She broke her back to make everything happen. And I think she was shocked that this this is what he did. Yeah. And so she tried. She's also just very a believer in reconciliation and, sure. you know, working things out and forgiveness. And so she, for, for a couple months, she really was pushing. We've got to, you know, I've got to talk to him. We've got to go to counseling. We need to fix this. He needs to come back home. And in me, there was something in me that said, there's no way this is the first time I've ever felt free in my entire life. Like this is the first time I didn't feel like, even though I knew nothing had happened in a year, I felt like there was still that looming, just darkness that was there. Mm. And, and, and I, I ended up the first person I ever told was a, um, a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And, um, partly that was because, you know, I was not comfortable with physical, touch and mm-hmm. things like that. And, um, we had been dating for a while and, you know, the natural progression is you just want to kiss each other or something. And right. I was just like very conservative about it because, mm-hmm. and not because I think it's wrong more because I couldn't receive love that way. Sure. And so, um, eventually I, I had, to, I had this conversation where I felt ready to tell somebody and I was like, listen, the reason I can't, you know, like get too lovey dovey yeah. and too physical is because I have this trauma of abuse and he was totally shocked. And so we went, we told, um, our youth pastor and we got the pastor together and the youth pastor together and my mom together. We, and we broke the news to her cause I knew she was going to need support because I can't imagine finding this out and being realize you've been blindsided this whole time. Oh and gosh. this man that you've been so faithful to literally broke her heart and broke you know, her daughter's heart. Yeah. And so, um, I knew I needed support. So that's how it came out. And I'll tell you what the enemy is so against family and he's so against, um, healing and he's so against just you as an individual or me as an individual or her that he really tried to mess up our relationship with um, your mom, with my mom. And, um, it was a really tumultuous few months. Mm. Um, but as, as she was getting healing and I was getting healing, it really just by the end of it restored our relationship and we had a great relationship. So, um, that's how it all came out. And I'll tell you, I went through a really like severe depression after that. I mean, it was probably the first time where I recognized 
severe depression. I probably had dealt with depression and anxiety while it was all going on, but I was a very, um, I was like a straight A student. Like I was very much a go-getter. And so I kept myself busy and focused and I was Mm -hmm. still like serving in ministry and things like that. But by the time all of it came out, I just went into the super deep depression and it was a good nine month depression. I just remember it felt so hopeless. Like, mm. like it just felt like I was so messed up. I was so broken. Our family was broken. Everything was hard. I mean, telling my brothers, you know, was difficult. And, um, they came back with the best responses. Like we knew you were strong. We just didn't know how strong you really were. Mm. Like just, just so much support. Yeah. And, um, how did they handle that with their, with their dad? I, mean, I had one brother who said, I'm never speaking to him again. And he really didn't. And then I had another one that confronted him and was much more like, you can't sit here and lie to me about this and tell me this didn't happen. And I believe my sister, she's never lied to us. Like we just, it was just a lot of support. I mean, they were incredible. That's amazing. They were incredible. And, uh, yeah. And then the, the nine months of depression was really, really tough. But at the end of it, I had this really, I mean, I could talk about Jesus encounters through this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it's actually something I really, really feel like, um, people question when you believe in God and these things happen to you. Mm -hmm. I think they, there's this question of how could God let that happen or why didn't he just fix it or rescue you? And it's crazy, but the whole time I was being abused, um, all those six years, I remember poignantly when I'm, when I was 14. So like right smack dab in the middle of it, Mm -hmm. I remember having this revelation with the Lord that if people just knew who they were in Christ and if they knew, knew who God really was Mm -hmm. and the depth of his love, then you could basically survive anything in life. That Mm. life would be so different for you if you could understand that. And the circumstances were not nearly as important as that genuine heart revelation. And so at 14, I really felt like that was going to be part of my call is to have people understand that. And I don't know how it happened, but I, I let God, the father become my father. And I separated that from my human father who was totally screwed up. That's amazing. I don't know how, like, like I know I have friends. <laughs> the who've been in the sa- yeah. I have friends <laughs> who've been in the same situation and, and they're like, you know, it's all muddled. Right. And for me, there was a very distinct thing. So I could love God and I knew he loved me. And I would ask him the questions, why aren't you saving me from this? Why aren't you protecting me from this? And I don't know that I have a good answer for you, except that the will of man is a really strong thing. Yeah. And, and he gives people power. I would rather serve a God that gives us will yeah. than one that is wow. going to control us. That's amazing. Coming from someone oh. who suffered under the will. evil will of someone else. Yeah. And, but I feel like that's what I've never been kind of a victim mentality person. I mean, there were times where I thought life sucks. Yeah. (laughs) It'd be so much easier if this was over. Um, but I'm a fighter by nature and Mm -hmm. I think it's just the, the Holy spirit in me that, that has to be is, yeah, it's the spirit of life. Yeah. And I think my heart is so tuned into that kind of fight. Mm -hmm. Um, and so by the time, like, I remember this, this one time during this severe depression after everything came out, um, cause like I said, I still encountered God. I still heard his voice, you know, and, but I still didn't, I still wasn't free from the situation, you know? Yeah. 
but he was still so real to me. And after all of this stuff started coming out, I spent a lot of time just, I mean, the normal depressive things, sleeping, whatever. But then I also spent a lot of time listening to music and just really getting in touch with my feelings, what I was really feeling. I did Mm. not hide them from the Lord. I did not say, Hey, I'm supposed to be a Christian. This is not how I'm supposed to react. You know, there was no should have no spoke. I don't think there's even a tense for should in the Bible. Like I've read (laughs) and studied the Bible and I think that's (sighs) not a biblical principle. I love that. That's awesome. And, um, so for me, I, I, I just, tried to stay connected to the Lord, even when I couldn't stay connected to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So I'd say, God, I can't read my Bible. I can't, it can't even focus. It doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. Like I can't do anything but be, I can't do anything but just sit here. But even that honesty is like, I'll meet you right there. Oh, he's so faithful. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it really just, my relationship with the Lord has shown me how non-religious God is, <laughs> yeah, I love you know, that. and how he's all about relationship yeah. and he's all good. And, and so, um, there was it's this so one, good. Ugh, I'm just so anti-religious, <laughs> but like, so there's, there's this, there was this one time where I was laying on the couch cause I slept on the couch a lot instead of my own room. Cause my room was not a sanctuary. It was not a safe place. And so I slept on the couch a lot. And I was facing the inside of the couch and everybody in the house was asleep. It was dark. And um, I was just sitting there and I started to cry and I said, God, I just need a hug. I just need a hug. And I don't know where to get the hug that I need. I just need a hug. And I kid you not, I felt somebody come lay on the couch behind me and wrap me in their arms. And it was the Mm. warmest hug Mm. ever. And I just leaned into it. Mm. I mean, it felt like John the Apostle where he says he leaned into it. Yeah, yeah, I just leaned into it. And mm. I was just like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm not kidding. I felt it. It was a physical experience. Mm-hmm. And so to, to me, I can never, I could never, never deny the presence of God. I could never deny that he was real. And a Right at about nine months um, of this depression, I had gone up for prayer multiple times at church. I'd gone up to the altar and just cried and wept and, God, take this from me. Take it, take it. And, you know, and um, when you're asking the Lord for answers to prayers, they always seem suddenly when they happen. But when you look back, you realize that it was really a lot of prep prep and (laughs) persevering and not giving up. And, um, there was this one day where I was like, God, I just need you. And I went up to the altar and I cried and I said, God, I cannot keep this. I cannot keep this. This is not mine to keep. I can't, you can have it, take it. And I might've prayed that same prayer before, Mm -hmm. but I remember I felt something completely lift off of me. Wow. And I stood up and I turned around and walked back to my seat. And I remember smiling for the first time in mm. nine months. And I just knew the Lord had set me free. Like, like I knew that the, there is, there is this, there is this kind of juxtaposition in the Lord where there, I fully believe in rest and surrender. I fully believe in letting him do what only he can do. Mm. And I also believe in fighting, contending, contending, pressing it. But contending for the right things. Yeah. So you know the scripture says in Romans that the the um, kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Mm-hmm. And I think the contending is when God delivers you, when He brings you freedom, when He brings you righteousness, which is a gift to you at salvation. When He gives you peace, when He gives you joy. I think the human response is not only to rest in it, but to steward it mm-hmm. and to contend to keep it. Mm-hmm. And so. 
um, in my pursuit for healing and freedom, I mean, it, it seems like a split second, but the next thing I know, I get up and I'm set free, totally wow. set free. In fact, I was not only set free from that, I was set free from shame. I had no shame about it, which I had had shame the whole time. I was wow. depressed. I had shame to where I just felt like I was a dirty used garment or a dirty used piece of trash. I, I remember there was this one time where I had like, the, I, I, I don't know how this was totally the grace of God, but my, um, purity had been preserved through that whole process. I was never raped. I was still by all means a virgin. And, um, and I just remember, there were, there were occasions where like, that's a miracle. Like it mm -hmm. should not have been that way, but it was. And, um, during this depressive time, I remember thinking, why, why did I save myself? I'm just a used piece of trash. And I remember, um, getting really closely intimate with a guy to where I almost had sex. Mm -hmm. And this is how, like, I totally believe You've got to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit, even if you're stay stay in communion with the Lord, even if your communion is I can't talk right now, I can't mm -hmm. hear you, or I mean, He is He is so much closer that if you don't have the energy or the strength, there is nothing that he, I mean, He's always right there. And mm -hmm. I I remember in that I, I was like really close to being like screw it all. We're just going to have sex because who am I now? I'm who not cares? worth it. Who cares? Yeah, right. At least I'll feel something at least, yeah. you know, whatever, yeah. somebody will show their appreciation and I'm already trash anyway. And I remember like it was, it was, we were in a position to let that happen. And I remember <laughs> I heard the Holy spirit very clearly, very clearly in my mind. And he says, stop, you are totally worth more than this. Mm. And I can't, I would not have said that to myself. That was not the narrative in my mm -hmm. head. Mm -hmm. That was totally the Holy Spirit. And I remember stopping the situation, shutting it down right there. And I never looked back, never looked back, walked wow. forward and said, I'm worth more than this. Wow. And I'm sharing this because after I was delivered and I mean, set free, you, it was night and day, mm -hmm. night and day. And wow. I remember going, God, you are the best father Jesus, you're the best boyfriend, the best husband. Like, I am totally cool if it's me and you. Like, ride mm -hmm. or die forever. Like, totally cool. This was when you were 18. This is when I was, um, I think I had just turned 19. Okay. And so I was 19 years old, and I just said, God, it's me and you. Mm -hmm. Like you've been so faithful. I could look back and see his faithfulness. I could look back and see where he was in the crooked paths. Wow. I could see where he was. Um, and even though I could not explain away people's, you know, people's choices, I could without see a him. doubt, see him. Wow. And I, I just really buried myself in intimacy with the Lord, mm. buried myself in it. I was so in love with Jesus and, um, mm. this was in March and about five months later is when I met the man who would become my husband. Mm -hmm. And he and I, um, met through our college group at church. Um, totally wasn't interested. I had told God what kind of guy I wanted to marry and it was going to be like a worship leader or a <laughs> minister or something. And, um, definitely not somebody in the military and definitely, you know, 
Sure. Just, yeah. And so um, Brian came to town with the National Guard. They brought it brought him there for a training. And so I had already written him off mm-hmm. because he was in the military. I didn't want that life. I would rather marry a, like an athlete or a musician mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And um, when we were, um, when we had met, like I said, not really interested. And, uh, but we hung out as friends and we hung mm-hmm. out in groups. And there was this moment where something in me, I can't even explain it except it felt like a magnet. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I felt extremely drawn to him. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I I went away and was like, what is this, God? You and I are good. Like I could just be <laughs> married to you forever. Like you're the best boyfriend. Why would I do this to myself? And um, I was at work one day because I decided I was going to fast and pray. Because I did not want distractions. I wanted just Jesus and only Jesus and always Jesus and no distractions. <laughs> and so I was praying at work one day. And it's one of those times where you feel like you all, like it was almost audible, like what wow. God said. And he said, um, and I, I don't even have a good theology for this. I just know <laughs> that I heard him say to me, and I think he was just giving me a revelation about myself. It wasn't really a declaration from him, but a revelation about myself. And he says, if you don't tell him how you feel, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. Wow. And I don't think that was a judgment, like, you better listen, you're going to regret it. It was now, more like... Was he flirting with you? We were not flirting at all. We weren't flirting okay. people. Okay. And so it was just so interesting. Was, were you friends at all? We became friends through our college and career group. And so every Friday night, the group would get together and we'd go out to eat and we'd just hang out. And he would sit at the table, maybe two people down or one people down. And eventually we, we would talk just because we were friendly people. I mean, you know, we just talked just like in the group. I mean, never, never tucked away together, never. Wow. No, but okay. So if we're going to tell the real story, what happened was, (laughs) what happened um, happened? happened is, um, a friend of mine touched his face because she was flirty Uh and she touched his face. And the thought that hit me was, do not touch my man. And I am not that kind of person. And I went, where did that come from? And I immediately, my response was to go fast and pray. I mean, I was not like lean into this. This is a good thing. My thing was, I'm not a jealous person. Number one. And number two, my security is in Jesus, not in a man. And number three, I don't want this distraction. And he's in the military. He's going to leave in a month or two. Totally was talking myself out of it. And the response from the Lord is, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it. Like you are going to be the one who goes, oh God, I missed. Like I shouldn't have missed. Like I missed. And like I said, it wasn't a declaration from God, like a judgment. It was more of a, he knew my heart. Yeah. And so I, I decided to tell a friend and she told her boyfriend who was his friend and he found <laughs> out and it seems so like <laughs> juvenile. He said, she he said. said, she said, and literally he knows. And she tells me, well, he has the same feelings for you and I thought well that's a shocker that's never really <laughs> he hasn't really, acted yeah. that way no he hasn't all. acted that way this is this is kind of news to me and the next thing I know is um he he's let two three weeks go by and done nothing he hasn't asked me out he hasn't said anything we haven't acted any differently and I was like okay god did I miss it so I pull his friend aside and like did I miss it D- you know like I but I know god said that if I didn't say something to him I'd regret it yeah. And his friend said, well, then why haven't you said something? And I thought, oh, I was disobedient <laughs> by a technicality, you know? And, um, and so I ended up pulling him aside that night and I said, hey, I have to tell you something. And for the record, people who know me know I'm not this kind of girl, not this bold when it comes to boys. Um, but I was very secure in my relationship with the Lord. I was very secure in his voice. Mm-hmm. And so I, I pulled him aside and I said, um, I just I have very strong feelings for you. And I don't know where they came from, 
And the Holy Spirit said, if I didn't tell you, I'd regret it for the rest of my life. So I'm telling you right now, thank you, goodbye. And I turned around and walked away. <laughs> what a moment. And what, what, did you like look back at all to I see his did face? Not. I, oh, I, did. I just I just walked away. <laughs> but this is what happened. Wow. He stops me and he says, hey, wait a second. Oh. Can you come back here? And I said, okay. And I turn around, I walk up to him and he says, can I say something? And I said, sure. And he probably said, you know, as far as pickup lines go, he probably said the only thing that would have captured my attention. Mm. And he said to me, you are the most godly woman I've ever met. Wow. And I thought, he didn't tell me I was beautiful because I couldn't yeah. trust those kind of words right. based sure. on my trauma. Sure. Um, he didn't tell me that I was, you know, it, smart, this, this blah, or blah, that. Blah. He just said, you're so godly. And I thought... Oh, that was the only thing he could have said to get me. And I knew I was in trouble. Like, I knew, I knew I was in wow. trouble. And, um. What a sweet moment. Yeah. I mean, it's. Our, I've never heard this. Our, I'm just, oh, I so enjoying this. this. Yeah. But our relationship has been like that for the last nearly 20 years. I mean, all of our poignant moments were very Holy Spirit led. And, um, even the first time he told me he loved me was, um. He said, the, the Lord told me to tell you this. And he said, I do feel it. He said, but I asked the Lord. Well, so I'll go back for a second. So we decided to go on our first date. We went on a date. And um, at the time, this has never happened to me in my entire life. So this is not bragging. This is just really how good God is and how the enemy has always got an agenda against you. Mm -hmm. But at the time, the very same week he was asking me on a date, and he's military, and I had written military off. Mm -hmm. Two guys were trying to call me up that week for dates. One was an athlete. He was a baseball player, and the other was a musician. No way. And I was like, Lord. And for the record, my, other, my husband is neither an athlete or a musician. <laughs> but I'm telling you, God knows what you need more than what you want. Yeah. And he knows what you want, even if you don't know you want it. Sure. And so in my relationship with Brian, I've discovered that God knew exactly what I needed and what I wanted. I just didn't know it. Sure. And um, so trust him with those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, just seriously. always listen. But um, he, so am I taking too long or is this good? You're good. Okay. You're good. So, um, so what, what ended up happening was um, we, we find we're early on in the relationship and I remember thinking, you know, I really want to tell him my trauma mm -hmm. and what happened um, because if this is too much for him, because I had, you know, I hadn't really, I had had some encounters with the Lord and he was setting me free, but I didn't have any like real treatment or counseling or yeah. didn't, didn't, didn't know how to navigate it outside of just being intimate with the Lord. And I wanted to give him an opportunity. Like, I don't know what kind of baggage this is going to bring up. I've never had a relationship in freedom before. Yeah. Let's, you know, I wanted to give him that option. And I knew he was moving back to his hometown a couple months later and just, you know, he needed all the information. Yeah. So we had a date one night and, um, I pulled him aside and said, Hey, I just wanted to share with you, you know, something about me and just let you have this information. You can decide if you want to stay Mm -hmm. pursuing a relationship with me. And I told him what happened and he sat there right across from me on the couch and he starts crying. Mm. And he says to me, how could anybody hurt somebody so wonderful? Oh. And I just was like, oh, this guy. And he is not a words of affirmation person. Wow. This is not his love language. He was really speaking from his heart. I mean, like, and I just knew that the Lord was having him say things that really built were me healing. up. They were so healing. 
so healing. This wasn't about. You've never heard a man say uh, something like that. Not, not like that. Like yeah. water to your soul. It was exactly like that. I think about that all the time, how, you know, the Lord says that to wash, you know, be washed in the water of the word and yeah. that husbands can do that for their wives. Yeah. And Brian was doing that from the get go. Oh, yeah. Like it was just such good, good stuff. I and, never put that together. Oh, so good. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. And so he, so Brian, you know, I, I always felt bad because I always felt like he inherited junk, but really he, I don't think any other person could have handled things the way he did. He never let me have a pity party, but he was always encouraging and he always hit at, you know, you are loved by God. He has called you to this. He has called you to that. He, you know, you are you are way more than the junk and the trauma that's been thrown at you. And that's how he's always been. Wow. Um, and he, so a couple more weeks into our relationship, it felt really soon and really early to say I love you. But he comes to me and he hands me a card and it's an I love you card. And he says, listen, I'm telling you this now because I was praying to the Holy Spirit. And I prayed to the Lord and I asked him, what should I do with this girl? And the Holy Spirit said, just love her. Mm-hmm. And he said, so this is a declarative statement to me that I'm going to say, I'm going to love you because the way that the Holy Spirit wants me to love you. And I'm, this is like my commitment to love you. I'm not just saying it. I'm not just saying based on emotions and feeling and the newness of it. He was literally being obedient. Like God gave me this person. I'm going to love her. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Mm. And so I can't say that our relationship was perfect from then on out, but it was like these amazing foundations that yeah. happened for us. And even our first kiss, like, like we were, he, he we were, we were, I've never been more comfortable around a man before, which was huge. Yeah. And we would go on dates and then we would talk for hours and hours and hours to where he wasn't getting back to base till like two, 3 AM in the morning we were just talking. We were talking about the goodness of God, how we got saved, our relationship with the Lord. We were talking about each other's goals and dreams. It was so natural and so easy. Mm. Um, but he was experiencing something on the other end where, um, so it turned out that while I was fasting and praying against him, the reason why he didn't make a move was because he was, he was on the other end fasting and praying against it as well. (laughs) And he had heard from the Lord that you really need to lean into this relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's when he heard the Lord say, just love her. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought how crazy we were both trying so hard <laughs> to, not resist. to resist this. Yeah. This is totally God's plan all along. <laughs> and, um, and, and, um, this is how I knew the Lord knew better than I did was, um, he was hugging me one night before he went back and it was probably pretty late. Cause we, like I said, we were always staying up late talking and he said, Hey, I need to tell you something. Um, the guy's, on base are always kind of making fun of me and poking at me because I keep coming home really late, like at two, 3 AM. And they're like, Oh, you know, daily got some and everything. Mm -hmm. And he said, I keep defending us and saying, no, we're just talking. Like, it's not like that. This is Mm -hmm. not how we are. He said, but then they're like, well, you haven't even kissed her yet. And he's, he said to me, I just, it's just so much pressure. He says, and I have to be honest, I am not ready for that. Mm-hmm. And I looked up at his face. I said, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready either. And I, I think our relationship is more than this. And you should have seen the, he relaxed and he was like, oh good. And he hugs me tighter. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I knew How sweet. this guy was not after the things that other people were after. Yeah. Like he was so different, yeah, so different to where he immediately had 
I had so much trust in him. Right. I trusted him with my heart because he was not exploiting anything. Yeah. Not at all. So much integrity. So much. So much integrity. And so even by the time we had our first kiss, I didn't feel um, violated. Mm-hmm. I felt very honored and respected. Mm. And for the first time ever, I didn't even feel guilty. Like I was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. <laughs> this is kind of fun. This is nice. <laughs> yeah. This is great. This is what it's supposed to feel like. And, you know, and... um. We just, we, I mean, we maintained our purity till we were married and got married and it was the most wonderful experience as far as my heart. Yeah. And I'm kind of bringing this up because when you experience that kind of trauma, you know, um, I know there's a lot of people out there who are not married yet and who don't get married till later in life. And one of my words of encouragement, cause I got married young, I was 21. Mm-hmm. And one of my encouragements is the Lord knows what's going to bring glory to your life and what you need. And if that's later in life, it's not wrong timing. And if it's earlier in life, it's not wrong timing. We've got to quit comparing each other's stories Mm -hmm. because I know for me, the level of freedom that I needed required me to be in a covenant relationship. Mm. I had to be married to encounter Jesus more. I had to be married to get more freedom Mm. because the rest of the story you know, is that a lot of the freedom didn't come until after I was married and in the marriage bedroom. Wow. Just couldn't, there's no way to fix and heal those things without being put in those places. Yeah. And I think a lot of times Christians don't like the pain of recovery. We don't like the pain of healing. We just want the instant fix of healing. Mm-hmm. And the Lord is so good to us that he wants to mend everything perfectly. And mm-hmm. he, and he, he. And completely. And completely. And he knows that there's a twofold system to that. One is what he can do. And one is in your context of the, of the relationships that you have. Yeah. There's so much healing that comes because we're called to love God and love people. Yeah. And I was good at the loving God part. Right. It was the loving people part and letting myself be loved by people that needed healing. Sure. And that required covenant relationship. And so, you know, um, the same things that Brian was in our dating relationship, he was equally that or more in the bedroom in intimacy, in our marriage, he never violated me. He always worked with me. And I'm Mm. telling you, like, to me, I don't hold him higher than he should be. Like, Jesus is still number one. But my husband, it was like Jesus in the flesh to me. Like, he reflected the love of God so much Mm. that I, like, we are forever loyal to each other. And Mm -hmm. he's my best friend. He um, is my biggest champion. And, um... It's he that's really been the foundation of our relationship. Yeah. Um you don't realize even the small or the big areas that um that kind of trauma has infected your person yeah. until situations come up later in life. And I would say that, you know, like from the get-go of our marriage, he was helping me with just um learning to be loved. And then we have children. <laughs> and not only am I learning how to love my children despite trauma. Yeah. So I am a huge advocate for trauma counseling. Mm-hmm. It's different than just talking it out, different than regular counseling. You, we, you know, I'm a, I really believe that people, if you've been in a traumatic situation, whether it's similar to mine or equally as traumatic but different, trauma counseling is so important because Mm -hmm. we don't realize how many decisions or how many reactions we have to life Mm. that are built on 
survival mode because of trauma. Sure. And I would say that for the last, my oldest is 15, almost 16 for the last 16 years is where I've learned, um, and to how to grow out of being out of reacting based on trauma and survival mode and learning how to be proactive and act out of healing uh-huh. and out of freedom and out of trust and out of, you know, letting those, 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 like little root systems that remained or the chaff that remains or whatever word you want to mm-hmm. give it, the junk that remains, letting it be burned off. Mm-hmm. And I had, um, I had an encounter with the Lord one time cause you know, there's a lot of lies that are fed to you because of trauma. Um, there's a lot of things that you do to survive. There was a lot of anxiety that I dealt with over the years. Um, trying to raise children, trust my children, trust people with my children, like all sure. sorts of things like that. Just everything you can think of, you really do go through it. Um, but I remember having an encounter with the Lord. Um, and in this encounter, he handed me a cauterizing sword. It was a sword that was fiery and it could literally cut off the heads of like all of these lies that would poke out. And, um, and, and he, he just said, I said, God, what is this for? And he says, as the lies pop up, we're just going to knock them out with each mm-hmm. head one by one. Mm-hmm. We're just going to knock these out. But the sword's in your hand. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh, I get an active part in this. Good. And so as a warrior, as a fighter, yeah, you, you've got to have the right tools. And so for me, as those lies came up, as, you know, the trust issues came up with, you know, can I let my child go somewhere? Can I trust people with them? Or, you know, being so protective, I would let the lie pop up, pop up. And I would immediately cut it off with a cauterizing sword. And I would do it even physically because it was a good little exercise for me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh I was like, okay, God. And then I would ask him, what's the truth? What's the truth? What do we replant there? So, So, um, yeah, I mean. I could go Thank days you. for this. But. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's so amazing just to see, well, one, the process of redemption, mm-hmm. you know, in your own soul, but also as God has built your family, you know, just the beauty of, uh, like the glory of God coming out of, you know, ashes. Yeah. And, um, and also just, I think so remarkable to me, your, um, the value of cracking open your heart and being honest with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been my bread and butter mm-hmm. coming from like, you know, no religious background, just like, Lord, I don't know yeah. what to say. I'm angry. You know, whatever. This is yeah. how I feel. Yeah. But how rich that is. It's like, he's like, okay, now we're really talking. Yes. Now I can, yeah. now we're really talking instead of the like, I know what I should say. I know what I should, how I should act. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing. I need to have you on again. Yeah. And you can share more about your family. And I really want to hear more about your prayer life too. Sure. So, but thank you for this. Yep. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please check out our website at homeinspired.org for more resources. And if you want to connect with me in person, email me at naomi at homeinspired.org. Thanks again.